Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Vaccine passports, vaccine certificates, again, the Toronto Star piece, uh, last Saturday. Our passport mandates the best way out of the pandemic. Dr. Colin Furness, uh, co-author, epidemiologist, assistant professor at the University of Toronto's Faculty of Information, wrote in response to that, there is no question we need some form of robust tamper-proof vaccine certificate, but none of this requires forcible vaccination or firing anyone. Dr. Furness joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Corus Radio Network. Dr. Furness, thank you very much for coming on the show. Could you speak to the measurable success of vaccines to combat COVID and its variants? We have lots of evidence, a ton of evidence, that vaccines make the difference between maybe catching COVID and ending up in the ICU. So it's not 100% in avoiding getting infected, but it's really close to 100%. Uh, in terms of avoiding serious outcomes, like ending up having to be on a ventilator. And, and, and that's an amazing, amazing successful uh, vaccine. Yeah, and when we talk about masks, and we talk about physical distancing, and you write about this in the, the letter you co-wrote, uh, the submission you co-wrote that appears in the Star, masks and physical distancing, ventilation, testing, and tracing uh, are effective, but they're also affected by error and behavior. Could you speak to that, please? Well, certainly. I mean, for for starters, we still don't have a complete understanding of how COVID spreads between people. the, The conventional wisdom was just droplets. And then we realized that behaviors, infecting behaviors, weren't actually fully explained by that. At the same time that COVID has been evolving to be more contagious. So we've been trying to understand a moving target. I think we most people agree now, most scientists agree, those aerosols, those finer uh, aerosols that, that stay in the air for longer, they are infectious depending on circumstances. And that means that things like physical distancing and masks uh, become less effective than we thought. And doing contact tracing becomes harder than we thought. The more contagious something is, the harder it is to actually track its path. So these are important measures. Don't get me wrong. I'm very, very pro-mask. But we have to understand that these things on their own can only take us so far. Yeah. When it comes to the variants, such as the Delta variant, uh, and the different variants we've experienced and the ones that are yet to come, no doubt, uh, are they the joker in the deck when it comes to how responsive and how effective these other precautionary measures are, other than the vaccines? Yes, you know, I, I think so. Uh, Delta, Delta is responsible for still having a pandemic. If there were no Delta, I think we would have been out of it by now. We'd mm-hmm. be done. Um, the combination of moderate vaccination rates and the other kinds of measures that we've taken. The, the thing about getting to that magic herd immunity or getting to the point where, where we win over the, over the virus, it depends, on how, it depends on the vaccine effectiveness, but it also depends on how contagious it is. So as COVID evolves to be more contagious, the bar keeps moving. And I think for many people, everybody, that's been really frustrating. Yeah, the University Health Network in Toronto announced that staff who remain without double vaccination by October the 8th are going to be placed on unpaid leave for two weeks. And if after that period they remain unvaccinated, such staff members will be fired. Now, I want to understand that. I want to get this correctly. In the piece that you co-wrote for the Star, you wrote, there is no question we need some form of robust tamper-proof vaccine certificate, but none of this requires forcible vaccination or firing of anybody. Are the two related? They are. They are. They certainly are. And I think what's also related to this is the choice of hospitals as a protest site for anti-vaxxers. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think that's a coincidence. And, you know, I want to be really clear about this. What I, what I also wrote is, 
you know, every hospital patient, every long-term care resident, every child in school should only be cared for by someone who's vaccinated. I, I feel very strongly about that. But there's, there's a third way. We don't actually have to say you must be vaccinated to stay in your job. We can say we're going to need to shift you. We're going to need to move you away from vulnerable people if you're not vaccinated. And what we move you to, you may not like as much. It may not be as the job you were trained for. It may not be as interesting. Um, it may not be as challenging. Challenging. It may not be what you expect to do, uh, depending on where you are in your career. But if you're not vaccinated, we need to keep you away from people who are vulnerable. So you choose between comfort and convenience on one hand and, and whatever anti-vax principle you may have on the other. And there is evidence, pretty solid evidence, that when you do that, when you give people a legitimate choice, most people will go for the comfort and convenience. In other words, their, their opposition to, to vaccination only goes so far. That's true for most. There are some hardcore ones who will never change their minds. Fair. But for most people, that's the way to do it. When, you, when, when, when UHN said you're going, to, you're going to lose your job if you don't get vaccinated, they, they actually, I think, really invigorated the ranks of anti-vaxxers. And I, I think the, you know, the outcome is the same. Patients won't be exposed to people who aren't vaccinated. But doing it by job shifting instead of by firing, I think, would have the advantage of encouraging people to get vaccinated and discouraging anti-vax mobs. Yeah, and you don't, you don't lose very talented people in the process either. Well, you, you, you'll lose some. You'll lose some. But, I mean, the, the, I, I wrote about the experience I had at a cancer hospital in the United States where I was doing some work, and they were baffled. that They couldn't get staff to do the flu vaccination shot, and, you know, everyone there is immune compromised. All the patients are. And they tried compelling it, and that was a disaster. The anti-vax sentiment was awful. It was, it was a huge labor relations problem. It was a mess. So they backed away and said, fine, you know what, do one or the other. Get vaccinated or, you know, wear a mask. All shift long for flu season. Now, that's a quaint, uh, that's a quaint consequence by today's standard. But back then, at that moment in time, everyone had a legitimate choice. If you do not want that vaccine in your body, here's your alternative. You wear a mask. And that's not fun. And, you know, vaccination rents with Vaccination rates went from less than 10% to about 96%. And when we did a survey, an attitude survey, I mean, this is the big thing, is attitudes changed too. That people were no longer talking about how the vaccine was unsafe and how the vaccine was unfair and unconstitutional and, un and, and, and all sorts of negative stuff. They started talking about why they did vaccination to protect themselves and their patients and their families. And, and so giving people that agency, it, it, it means that their behavior is freely determined and then their attitudes actually adjust to match that behavior. It's easily the better way. So what are your thoughts then on vaccine passports and certificates being required in order to participate fully in public life? I, I asked questions yesterday on the air and I received calls from two restaurant owners in Ontario who said, we're not doing it because we can't. We'll lose customers. We'll go bankrupt. We're already on the verge of bankruptcy. We're not asking for the vaccine passports. We're not asking for for the corroborating evidence that this uh, vaccine passport is actually presented by the person who's standing in front of me. What do you say about that? I say that small businesses are in a terrible position that way, and I completely understand their perspective. When enforcement falls upon them, especially when we don't actually have a robust system, we don't have an easy card that you show, therefore it hasn't become a social norm. Uh, restaurants and bars are okay enforcing age of majority checks right, because right. it's a social norm. You have a driver's license, you have photo ID, you're expected to yeah. show it, everyone understands what the rules are, and, and that's not contentious. Okay, Dr. Furnett, so, I have to jump in because of the clock. I never, I never watch the clock. If you want to hear more, 
Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 